everybody, this is the Choose Well Program Podcast. I'm Mr. Brown. In this episode, I'm talking about the power to choose SEL before it became SEL, talking about culture of a classroom, how the Choose Well Program even began, and classroom discipline. Woohoo! This is a good one. I'm joined today by Stephanie Fagan, who's a veteran teacher. We have a great conversation, so hope you enjoy this episode of the Choose Well Program Podcast. If you haven't already subscribed, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, follow us on social media. Also, you can listen to us on all the podcast platforms. Join us for future episodes. For more information about all we do, even possibly coming to your school, visit the choosewellprogram.com. But in the meantime, hope you enjoy this episode. Today I've asked my friend Stephanie Fagan, teacher, army, mom. That's probably one of the best titles you have, right? Yes, for sure. <laughs> for you. Um, to be on the show because she's an educator. She's been educated education for 16 years. And yes, she doesn't look old enough to be in education for 16 years. But um, I, we met um, and I just remembered our time meeting and we re- met again at some other events. And I just thought, you know what? She teaches. She gets what I do. And so I wanted to have her on the show to have a conversation about the importance of SEL, social emotional learning, before it became SEL. <laughs> so thank you for uh, being willing to be on the podcast. And hopefully this will be the first of many. I'm glad to be here. And I'm, <laughs> I, I feel very honored that you asked me to come on. I mean, it, how many years ago was it at Rutherford? That was, that was at I, least 10 years ago. Yeah, maybe 10 years ago, maybe longer. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I just never... F- forgotten your message it came it hit my heart in a special place and I've always talked to my kids and my students even my child about choices and life is about choices yes you may not get a choice in what's happening to you but you choose how you react to it I was gonna say that <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I use the word react and respond differently because mm-hmm. reaction is something I believe that we do just sometimes knee jerk just do mm-hmm. it respond respond is a thoughtful way to do mm-hmm. things right and so I tell kids all the time and even I have to remind myself I can't choose what happens with my taxes I can't choose whatever like this morning we woke up our power was out mm-hmm. um, I was sitting there shaving and all of a sudden boom flickered lights flickered again flickered boom gone and I had to prepare for this. I think you were coming by and I'm like, okay, how am I going to respond to this? I could react by getting all upset, trying to call PG&E or whoever. But I'm like, you know what? Let's look, find out what happened and just respond thoughtfully about the next part of my day. And I think if we can empower kids, parents, educators, people in general to know the difference and knowing you can't choose all the circumstances, but you have the power to choose how you respond. Yeah. And I, I that's, that's been, that's the message. Yeah. And I, my kids, my student, I, I call them kids. I, I get it. You have one biological kids. daughter. Yes. One. Sav. You want to say hi to Sav? She's hi, listening. Sav. She better Ruby be listening, kiddo. right? Yeah, she better be listening. <laughs> you know what? We we are super close. We talk every day. And I have a feeling that she won't be the only one listening, that she will probably make her friends listen to this as well. You can give a shout out to her friends then. Woohoo. Well, let's let's yeah. give them a stadium applause from, from the soundboard here cause to being friends with Sav. Um, she is a pretty cool, I haven't talked to her in years, but, uh, I'd love to reconnect with her and congratulate her for becoming a, uh, what is, what is her rank in the, in the army now? Sergeant right Sergeant. now. Okay. So give it up for Sav, the Sergeant. <laughs> Sergeant Fagan. 
So you tell your kids, going back to choice, you tell your kids what? And uh, every, like, um, when they're just, like, not necessarily doing what they're supposed to be doing in the classroom, I'm like, what are you choosing to do right now? What choice are you making right now? Yeah. Are you choosing to do what you're supposed to be doing or another choice? I mean, almost all the time when I'm talking to a kiddo, what are you choosing right now? Right. What's your choice? Tell me, what do you choose? And I tell them, I said, should you be making a better choice? Because <laughs> <laughs> you will live a better life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is there a better choice you could be making right. right now than the one that you chose? And I will say, honestly, when I came to your classroom, I just felt a different vibe in your classroom. Certain mm-hmm. classes I go to, I, I can feel the vibe of, okay, teacher, student. But I felt more of, as more of a family environment because mm-hmm. although you're, 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 you're the authority in the room, and that's evident, like mm-hmm. kids will listen to you, but you respect them and you've earned that respect that – when you say something, even if they don't want to do it right away, they'll you'll look at them a certain way and they mm-hmm. do it. And I just resonated with that. Like, I, I like the way she runs her classroom. Like, I, I appreciate that. When I come in the classroom, I know these kids, if I connect with them, they're going to listen. They're going to mm-hmm. participate. And I look at it this way. When I show up in the classroom, I'm taking your kids and I'm holding them by the hand and say, hey, let's go on a journey together. And some, some classrooms are easier to do that than others. Mm-hmm. And yours is pretty easy. They were used to someone grabbing them by the hand and say, hey, let's go on a journey together. I care about you as a person more than I care about the work you do in this classroom. And when they sense that, I think they'll do whatever they have to do to become the person that, that you want them to become and they want to become. And they might not even know they want to become that person. Yeah. So I just really remember that. And so um, when I saw you at the event I was doing at the neighborhood church mm-hmm. and so, so for everybody listening, I was mad at her because I was speaking oh. for five days and I think she chose day five to say hi. <laughs> Like, she was in the audience the whole time. Like, I see a lot of people when I'm speaking, but I, I didn't see her. Like, oh, I, there she is. And she came up and said something. Like, on day five, I'm like, how come you just now, you, you've been here this <laughs> But anyway, we reconnected mm-hmm. then and then uh, found out you had switched schools. And then since the pandemic, I don't know how we reconnected. I thought about you and I sent you a message about mm-hmm. the videos I were making. Well, and, no, and then, oh, I had told you. Um, my principal, she does a weekly message, and okay. she had included one of your videos. And I'm like, hey, we saw, I saw you. Yeah. <laughs> They're still out there. They're still circulating. We're still using them. And I made a lot more, and I want more people to use those videos because I think yeah. it's really important to focus on what, what's called now social-emotional learning before it became social-emotional learning. So yeah. that's, what I, that's one thing I noticed about your class, too, that you took the time to, to, to talk to the kid, to meet the kid, to know the kid, mm-hmm. and build relationships with those kids and show that you care about them as people, not just the test scores. Well, you know, I tell my students I love them every day. You know, when they... What? you cry, That's a boundary, isn't it? I know, right? How horrible. <laughs> but, you know, it's like I, I tell them I love them. And then it's like, especially like if I am having to... Um, you know, tell them what they're doing isn't the best choice that they're making. It's like, I love you, but is this the best thing you should be doing right now? Should you be making a different choice? I always kind of wrap it up in compliments and letting them know that even though they're doing something that's not the best, I still love them regardless. Um, And I just, my classroom is a loving place. It's a place where you know, I, I let them fail sometimes because they're going to fail. And I tell them, you know, I'm still going to love them just because it's taken you a little longer to learn division than other people. Doesn't mean you are a horrible person. It doesn't mean that you are failing. doesn't mean that you're stupid. It means that you have to work harder at something and that's okay. I mean, everybody has to practice. I tell kids in my classroom we practice every day just like somebody who's becoming a basketball player everything we do is practice and let's be honest we're we're practicing life Mm -hmm. making good choices we're practicing reading we're practicing math we're practicing everything and 
you know, and that's how you get good at anything is practice. And I think the, the great point you made there is helping the kid understand your value is not attached to your, to your success. Mm-hmm. Your value as a human being is not a, attached to your achievement. The fact that you can, or the speed of your achievement, or the speed of your progress. It's mm-hmm. not, you, you're valuable and you matter. Even if yeah. it takes you longer to do math or social studies than somebody else. And I think that's what we need to help kids understand, especially at an early age, because there's so much of our world about comparison. And even now with, with, you know, younger, younger kids getting on social media, that's all about comparing yourself to mm-hmm. other people. You look at other people's lives and go, wow, I'm not this, I'm not that. And I tell kids all the time, like when, when I was growing up, we did that, but it was only on a local scale, a scale, like mm-hmm. my neighbor, the kid in, in the seat in front of me, but now it's global. Kids are comparing themselves to people they don't know will never meet mm-hmm. and they feel inadequate. So I think by letting that kid know, Hey, you may be slower in this, but I still love you. You still have value. Let's work on this. Yeah. It, it, I just, like, even with tests, I tell them, I, I call them knowledge checks in my classroom. I don't even call them tests. Mm, knowledge check. <laughs> we're checking to see how much knowledge mm-hmm. you have in your head right now. And let's see, okay, if half the class still isn't sure on it, then we're going to do some. We're going to keep practicing. We're going to keep going, you know? And it's me figuring out how I can help them further because – you tell them test and they're like, Oh my gosh, I can fail. I'm like, yeah. And and I realize when they go the next year to middle school, they're going to have tests. It's going to be everything, but I'm, I'm trying to take the anxiety away from school and just allowing them to put forth their best effort and realize that it's okay. Sometimes if they don't do that great, you know, right. if they're, if they're trying, I mean, if they're not putting any effort, then, you know, then we have to have that conversation, but you know, it's, Life is a lot for these guys right now. Yeah. And some of them, their life at home is. I don't have a beat button on this. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that's kind of, that's why I really started speaking. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. why I started Choose Well Program and speaking in schools because I knew the kids are really struggling in a lot of areas of life. And it's not just about academics. It's not just about learning how to read. Those are, that's important. Mm -hmm. Learning math, that's important. But how can you really focus on that when you're dealing with all these things at home? And in some senses, even if it doesn't change at home, someone to acknowledge you're going through those things Mm -hmm. is important. Yeah. Um, Since you just mentioned why you started the Choose Well program, (laughs) how in the world did you come up? I mean, how did you decide, oh, life is about choices. How did this come to you? And how did you start putting it into play in Going to schools. Uh, the funny thing is, I got started speaking in schools, teaching sex education. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a new one. You didn't know that. <laughs> I had no idea. So I was in St. Louis at the time, St. Louis area, and a friend said, hey, won't you come with me to the school? Um, we're doing absence education. I don't mm-hmm. like call it absence education because... Um, even though I believe it is best to wait um, and not be sexually active when you're a kid. <laughs> yes. Um, I think absence education is falling on hard times because people have done some weird things in the name of absence. So yeah. just call it sex education. Just talk about sex. Because I, I believe that we should talk about all of it because mm-hmm. kids are, are exposed to all of it. Yes. Uh, and I would say, hey, here are the options. Here are things out there. And I would say the best choice, and that was the name of the program, the best choice, or mm-hmm. best choice sex education is to wait, to be absent till marriage and faithfulness in your marriage. Mm-hmm. And that was the message. And so I got started doing that. And while I was doing it, it was great. I learned a whole lot about speaking because we were going for a whole four or five days and speak during the, their health class and mm-hmm. do several classes. I tell you what, middle school, high school, some of the choices these kids were making. And this was how long ago? This was oh, This was like... 
almost 15, 15, 20 years ago. Imagine what it is right now. I know. And so I'm running into that now when I'm speaking to some schools, like even in elementary school, kids are Mm -hmm. being exposed. I mean, listen to the music that we listen to. Listen to what the parents are listening to in their cars and what kids have access to. Yeah. And so I started doing that. And I remember specifically I was at a school and I was talking about uh, choices when it came to sex and waiting. And I don't know how we got on topic, but investments. And I said something about I had bought a CD and I let that CD mature. And then after matured, I have enough money to pay off my car uh, and just have no more debt, right? And a girl raised her hand and said, Mr. Brown, I thought CDs cost like $16.99. <laughs> and I'm like, thank you. <laughs> I said, thank you. I should be more clear. A certificate of deposit. And I explained what that was. Mm-hmm. And it was something about that exchange that helped me see that kids need help when making choices, not just about sex. Sex is important. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that because kids are engaging in it. And if I, if we had time, I'd tell you some of the horror stories I heard about contraception and things girls are doing to try not to get pregnant. It was just oh. craziness, right? But they need help with that, but other areas too. And from that came the Choose Well message. Um, I don't know how we came with it. Oh, I remember the Choose Well, Oh Yeah thing. Like when I mm-hmm. say Choose Well, kids say, Oh Yeah. That happened in Kansas. It was a school in Riley, Kansas, I was speaking. In my background, I grew up in church. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a black church where there was a lot of call and response. And my grandfather was a pastor, and he'd always be like, Amen. Kind of Amen. It was always this, this call and response thing. And so, I had started doing that at some point in public schools. I'm like, I don't know if it's going to go over well long term. <laughs> like somebody walked by and I'd be like, you feel me? Say amen. They're like, amen. <laughs> so I said, uh, that might not work too well. So from right there, I just said, if you agree with what I'm saying, say, oh, yeah. And the kids start saying, oh, yeah. And so when I was speaking, they would respond. And somehow the Choose Well got connected. Oh, yeah. Um, when I was there, my friend Emily Weddle and her husband, Alan, they, they invited me, had me speak at all these schools and she made a T-shirt behind my back that said "Choose a Choice Our Public Life on the Front," mm-hmm. and we sat in the living room and came up with the whole, the whole thing. Um, and there we went. I had been speaking before that on topics not about sex, but we never really came down the idea of choices. We really didn't get it until that time, and then there we went from there. So that's St. Louis, and then you're Kansas. And now you're in Reading. Well, I didn't California. live in Kansas. I would travel to Kansas. Okay. I would travel. I would go anywhere and speak. So yeah. um, I got here because I married my beautiful wife, Andrea. She mm-hmm. was uh, going to Simpson at the time. And we were in St. Louis when we got married. And um, our plan was to go back after she finished school. She was in Simpson. She had one year left that was paid for. Can you say mm-hmm. paid for? Yes. <laughs> but while we were here, I spoke in 30 different schools. And that was mm-hmm. probably when I spoke at your school because yeah. we, we had a plan. And it was on bullying at first. But then we kept coming talking about other topics. Mm-hmm. And we just refined the message to, yeah, I didn't want to be known as the bullying guy. Like, all we talk, because, kid, don't bully. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I thought, I think we should talk about that. But I think to be more positive about caring and teaching kids Mm -hmm. kindness, teaching kids respect uh, is is deeper than telling a kid not to bully someone else. If I can help you have empathy for another human being, that will change how you think and how you see that person, which will change how you treat that person. Mm -hmm. So from there, we just start speaking and we moved. We stayed here. We had our first baby. Um, Nana was close by. They lived in Bernie, our way. So we just stayed in Reading, and I kept speaking in more and more schools. So I've spoken to the majority of schools in Shasta County at some point. You have that lasting impact. And when we do show your videos, the kids just respond to it, and they just love what you have to say. It is funny. I actually got to watch kids watch my video once, and it was amazing to see the response. Like, you're actually saying, oh, yeah, through the camera. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, didn't, I didn't expect that. And so it taught me how to speak a little slower and make my videos because I got to give kids a chance to respond. And it's been really funny making newer videos 
I would show them to my kids. And if they laugh and if they respond, I'm like, okay, that's a good video. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think the message is so simple and it resonates. Even walking around ready. I remember coming out of Planet Fitness, a kid, guy walked up to me and said, hey, you came to my school when I was young. I remember your message. I was at Costco. A girl said, mm-hmm. hey, you came to my elementary school. I'm like, like you're working at Costco now? Like, I feel really old. Thank you for that. Yeah. But they remember the message. And that's the thing. I don't care if you remember me. I don't care if you you know, think I'm a celebrity or not, I want you to understand and be empowered that when you make better choices, you will live a better life, mm-hmm. period, hands down. Exactly. Did you have any teachers throughout your life that impacted you that really resonated with you or has stuck with you all these years? And I say that, and I ask this question, and, you know, as a teacher, I can't, there, there was seriously no teacher that really had an impact on <laughs> my life. When I was getting my teaching credential, they're like, okay, so remember that teacher that really had a big impact in your life. And I'm like, there wasn't one. I wonder if there's a difference now because there's a shift. I mean, I think teachers cared, but seemed back then it was more like, hey, you come in, you do your job, and, and that's it. You just mm-hmm. respect me. Um, I don't remember many teachers either. I remember some of them. The, the funniest one is Mrs. Ortiz. And if my friends are listening, they know who that is. She was a study hall monitor. She was a little short Hispanic lady, but she was hilarious. But she she engaged with us. Mm-hmm. I mean, she didn't take our crap either. Like, she would say things to us and, and that most people wouldn't say, but we needed to hear it. And she was saying such a just direct way. She didn't change her expression. She was short. She'd look up and say stuff. And we'd be like, okay, Miss Ortiz. <laughs> um, so I think her, the way she disciplined us, the way it wasn't just like you do what I say. It wasn't like that mean way, but it was more of a relationship. But she was still the authority. Mm-hmm. And I think from her, I learned what I call my smile technique for teachers. Maybe we'll talk about another podcast for teachers, but I call it my smile technique, which stands for set the authority, maintain the authority, invest, learn, and enjoy. Set the authority in your classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have to maintain that authority. You need to set the authority. When your kids walk in the classroom, even though you're the nicest teacher in the world, at first day one, you're not. Mm-hmm. You need to be, hey, this is who I am. And, and this is what this class is going to be about, period. Then maintain that authority. Making sure that if you say raise your hand, a kid blurts out, you don't let that go. Especially at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And you have to be mean about it. But you, Hey, did I see a hand? Did, did? And then it teaches them that, hey, when I say something, I mean it. Because I think kids need boundaries, and so I learned that from her, and I learned that from my grandparents. My grandparents didn't play like it was you. You didn't. I respected my grandfather, but you didn't play with him. He mm. played with us, and we joked around. But there wasn't. There's a line you ain't go cross, bro, <laughs> because of who he is. And that's how I conduct myself when I work with kids. I remember working after school program. A parent walked in. She said, "Mr. Brown, you are so mean to these kids, but they love you." <laughs> and it's not mean. And mm. I, I get what she was saying that that you're so strict. But they love you because they respect that boundary we've created. And I can play with them, joke with them. But when I look at them a certain way, like my mama and grandmama looked at me, mm-hmm. it was time to straighten up. And so I don't remember a teacher that really inspired me. And I guess the reason I started and, and what it really inspired me to start and do this is because there was a vacuum. Mm-hmm. The vacuum of I didn't see a lot of people really engaging kids and caring about kids and speaking to kids about real life issues in a very transparent, open way. And I think the sex talk, you know, teaching on sex helped because I was willing to talk about my own life and share mm-hmm. my own life and how I got involved with sex at an early age and how it, it, the choices I made and how it hurts my life and how, you know, I had a daughter early in life. And I was willing to share those experiences where, you know, other people wouldn't. I even told kids, I told about, I've had STDs in, in my life. And they mm-hmm. were like, what? I remember saying that one day at the school, these girls were like, <gasps> <laughs> 
Um, and so I just realized that, listen, we can be real and transparent with kids and still keeping some boundaries, of course, but also help them see, hey, this is this is the truth about choice. It wasn't a teacher to inspire me, but it was really a vacuum. And I just wanted to be a person that can share. And I like talking. So, yeah, it kind of fit. It works. <laughs> You're doing well. And somebody asked me, people often ask me, have you thought about being a teacher? And I think I could be a teacher. Um, but I think that would limit some of my impact too. Mm-hmm. This way I can travel and go to so many different schools yeah. and I have so many memories of speaking in so many small little towns. I remember I was up in a, in a small town up in Susanville and a little girl said, why do you come here? No one comes here. I said, because you're here and you matter. And she just smiled. And yeah. that's true. And I'll go anywhere. People are surprised. I'll go to small communities. Sometimes I like smaller communities mm-hmm. because like she said, nobody goes there. Yeah. And I'll go anywhere. I go big city. I go to inner city. I go wherever I need to go mm-hmm. because I think this message applies to you no matter what your where you are in life, your your color, your age, your gender, your geographical location. Mm-hmm. To be empowered to understand when you make better choices, your life will be better is for everybody. You know, you would be a great teacher, but you would be limited to thirty kids. You know, if you did elementary, and you get a little bit more if you did middle or high school. But now you get to reach multitudes yeah you know, and that's that's where the impact is and that's where you need to be